Josie J and PDB, yeah, they're really on a spree. We're putting in the work, launching scripture like Karee. Invest in blood, sweat, and tears. No, this time don't come free. Welcome back to TNT Season 2, Episode 3. Yes, sir. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is Episode 3 of Season 2. I kind of had trouble saying that because it's like weird that our episode number is higher than the season because we've been saying Season 2, Episode 1, Episode 2, but now it's 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 what it's it's overcome the season number now so it's kind of weird saying that but uh we got a pretty good episode in store for you guys today something that uh peter prepared uh this outline for this week we've been kind of alternating the outlines as part of the vision for season two just having a little bit more preparation for each episode and structure um so hopefully you guys have noticed i mean we've noticed a huge difference even in just the flow of the topics and and kind of organizing what we're talking about has been super helpful but um yeah yeah a couple couple of cool updates in the past week or two uh just, life just update wise update. yeah <laughs> <laughs> not sure if you peter if you have anything to share with anything going on with you i'll let um, i'll let you lead off i don't think i have anything that quite quite is level on that as of now well, well i, I don't want <laughs> to that's I don't not a brag. thing but yours is pretty pretty exciting i don't want to brag but I'm going to brag a little bit. So <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> yeah. Humble brag. All, all glory to God, of course. Amen. But, uh, had a door open this week. I just, uh, interviewed Friday with Senator Mark Roman Chuck here in Ohio. And, uh, you know, lucky enough and, uh, just, you know, happy to announce and say that I was hired as a legislative aide for the Senator. So very blessed, very grateful for the opportunity. Um, some of you who listen to this podcast may know my government ambitions and, and what I desire to uh, to use my gifts and you know serve in government one day. And this is just one step in that direction. So very exciting news. Um, definitely looking forward to working with the senator. He's a very awesome guy. He's uh, would encourage all you guys to look into him and, and research the things he does. But uh, man of God and um, really takes his job serious and gives back to his community and, you know, has a lot of policy on things like medical Medicaid. Um, actually, Peter, interesting note here with the Senator. Um, not sure if you heard about this situation, but in 2021, the speaker of the house in Ohio was convicted, uh, of racketeering. So Senator Roman Chuck, um, has, you know, put forth efforts to repeal parts of a law that was used to, you know, usher in corruption and Senator Romanchuk was re, you know what gerrymandering is, Peter, you heard about that where they like redraw the the maps. So they basically redrew the maps on Romanchuk and forced him out of his current district that he was, he won his election in and tried to force him to compete against another Republican who was an incumbent, which is really hard to do. So he has a track record of doing the right thing, even under pressure. And, um, just a really solid guy to work with. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, a pretty big life update for me. So I'll be starting that new job here soon. Um, but Peter, you don't have anything that's changed in your life. Nothing going on, nothing new, just kind of status quo. Not from the last, last episode. Everybody that's, that's been listening to these first couple of episodes knows that, you know, I've, I've been, been dating Brooke now for over a month now, a little bit, you know, about a week or so more than a month now. And that continues to go well work-wise, um, you know, just 
things have ramped up a little bit in terms of work covering high school sports. It's definitely the busy season now. High school football, like week zero, was a couple of weeks ago. By the time this episode is out, it would have been like three weeks ago. And then this past week was really week one. And so all across the area, football games were kicking off. Volleyball also had had their first serves this weekend. So I got out and covered some of that. And just, yeah, it's it's been a fun process really getting back into the flow of things because summer is a, is a slower period, which is, of course, nice. But it does it does cause a little bit of restlessness, if I'm being honest. Um, so th- thankfully, it did allow me the opportunity. For those who don't know, College Football Talk is a channel that I have where I talk about college football. And so I had more opportunity to just kind of pour time into that, which has been good, and even just devote time to this relationship, which most importantly center is centered around God and then our, our shared love for, for God and for each other. And so, yeah, things, things are going very well. It's definitely a, a mixture of the status quo while also having things pick up a little bit in terms of busyness. They will, I think maybe even a little bit more by the end of next week, but things, things have been going really well, just been encouraged by, by what's been happening with work and everything, just been having people that are grateful for, for the coverage that I'm providing to the area, getting getting these these athletes the kind of the credit that they deserve and, and even coaches too and the teams, giving them their their kind of chance to shine in the spotlight a little bit. And so yeah, it's it's a it's a blessing. I continue to just be able to do the job that I absolutely love to do and I'm always just so blessed by that I definitely have to catch myself sometimes and just be like wow god you are really working in in incredible ways with this opportunity but just continually Mm. blessed day by day obviously just continuing to trust god through through the big and the little things the challenges and the good times and I, I would encourage everybody listening to to live with that same mindset because it's it's not it's not all you know as the saying goes it's not all sunshine and rainbows as as rocky i think once said sometimes you got to get get hit and keep moving forward so <laughs> <laughs> i'd encourage everybody to live with that with that, that quote mindset. is turning it that's that's gonna like turn into like i don't know this the Slogan, the mantra mantra of true north talk it might yeah. have to because i think we referenced that in the last episode too <laughs> yeah yeah Sorry, my mouth just dropped. I, I saw my my wife wearing the sunglasses that I've been missing for like four months, <laughs> and they just pop up on her face mid podcast. So sorry, I kind of had to catch myself mid sentence. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think she might have hid them. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she apparently found them in my suit jacket, so that was my fault. But yeah. uh, anyway, sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> but yeah, the mantra that quote has surfaced now. Three separate times? It was it season two alone? Definitely twice in season two. I feel like we probably might have said it once. Maybe season, one, season one once, one. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we did at some point. We definitely referenced Rocky. That's that's probably my, well, I would say it's my favorite sports movie franchise from Rocky, mm. including the the Creed movies. Um, oh, Creed is old. another level. Yeah. Creed, Creed is a, just another level. I mean, Rocky is, is great in its own way because it's, it's kind of the classic. Yeah. Like old school, like just, I don't know. You just can't watch that movie without getting fired up. And then hmm. Creed is the same thing, but it's like, it's a just new newer. Twist almost, yeah. Yeah, and it, it ties ties together beautifully that theme and, and the story from Rocky. 
And I think, I mean, I think it really, not to get too much into like movie critiquing here, but we can a little bit. I think it transitioned almost perfectly. Like I think the fear that some people might have had after Creed 1, and I know Creed 2 didn't really land quite as well as, as a knockout punch does, but yeah. the, the transition kind of from Rocky's story to, to Adonis's story is, I think, a really good flow, and it doesn't it doesn't have any loose ends. It eases transitioning from Rocky into this new character because you have to think people who are coming from just having seen the Rocky and maybe grew up watching that or like us watched it, you know, as we were growing up is, you know, you, you want, you want that character. You want kind of that nostalgic feel. And I think they did a really good job of transitioning from, from the old way to, to the new way, which believe it or not, is kind of a point that might be made a little bit on on this episode, kind of a, a similar theme of old ways to new ways. Yeah, yeah, literally, and that's that same theme is like I don't know. It's just so motivating because kind of the story of Rocky and just what you take away from what I took away from that movie largely is like you can be in any situation and overcome it. Yep. You know, and if you want something bad enough. If you set your mind to it, you can't accomplish it. And it's true. It's, it's literally true in life. People don't understand it because I think, you know, this is a whole nother topic. Could, a whole episode could be dedicated to this alone. But people, I think, unfortunately, grow, grow up around a lot of times negative people or just people that think small. They don't think outside the box. They don't have big, big dreams, big goals. And they just accept their circumstances and they don't even think twice about, you know, what their life could be. And, you know, Rocky, as you know, I feel like people sometimes make fun of that movie, but it's for being such just like a a small piece of of culture or just a movie. If you watch that movie, it, it genuinely can change your perspective on life. So, um, Yeah. I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I mean, that that move, I would recommend that movie to everybody. If you haven't yeah. seen Rocky, just go watch Rocky, Rocky one. If you've got time, you know, watch the whole series. If you can, it might, it might take a while. I know a lot of us lead busy lives. You might have to kind of break it up when you watch those, but really the whole franchise. Cause the quote that we referenced actually is from what the sixth movie or is it yeah, the fifth Rocky movie? Six, the sixth yeah. movie, Rocky Balboa. And so, yeah, it, if you want to maybe go out of order, you could watch that one first to get that quote. Because there was more than than just the one line that I said. There, that is a really, really good speech. It's we talked about this in the last episode. It's like that motivating speech that I know Joe and I have probably both seen. Probably have seen the same video, the same specific video on YouTube of that motivation using that quote, showing running gym footage, all the stuff that gets you hyped up, oh. even like military footage, all that sort of stuff. I'm not gonna lie that that clip. <laughs> has I've welled up tears before yeah like it invokes the soul it 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 draws something especially like I feel like with men especially because it's like a father talking to his son literally yeah that's the clip and I can like relate even with what the being in that in that son's position in that in that clip um because sometimes you know you just need that that reassurance and, and kind of like strong, tough love from your dad, you know, to like just change your mindset and just kind of like, okay, 
I need a new perspective on this. And yeah, it's just such a good clip, such a good quote, such a good movie series. I mean, yeah. But yeah, before we before we forget about this, I want to kind of go back to something you were talking about being blessed about doing what you love for work. Mm-hmm. And I just want to notate like that's something I want I want to dedicate an episode to is identifying your calling. Yep. And how important that is as well because man, I couldn't tell you, you know, my my old job, I praise God I'm saying that my old my previous <laughs> job, which I technically haven't left yet, but right. geez. I mean, I'm thankful for what it was, but uh, it is my prior job. Praise, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of people there who I saw and they would be, you know, to perfect, perfect examples of people who never ask the question, what is my calling? What am I gifted for? What do I really enjoy? You know, people who through circumstance found themselves stuck in a job because they have to have money. You know, that's a very, that's a very precarious position to be in is forced in a job you don't like, but you have to stay there and you can't leave because you need the money. Mm. Yeah. That's such a scary position to be in. And I, I think it's so important for people to, before that is the case, you know, hopefully, I mean, you don't, it doesn't have to be before it, you know, before you're tied in with obligations and responsibilities, such as a wife, a family, et cetera. But hopefully before that, you're able to ask yourself and identify your calling and your unique giftings so that you can enjoy your work. But even if you're in that position, I think it's still important to ask the question, what is my calling and what am I gifted for so that you find fulfillment in your work and you're not miserable? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just such a plague in society. People are stuck doing something they hate and they just put up with it. And it's like, that doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to hate your work. You know, and Peter, you're, you're a perfect example of that. I don't know if this is a different episode, but I don't, I don't know if you want to speak to that briefly, but just the benefits of doing what you love. Um, I'm just now stepping into that, you know, hopefully with, with a job I just got, but I, I think it's just so important, um, to ask that question. So, yeah, I, what I would say to that is I feel like it makes the challenges because I will say this, this certainly isn't, it's not perfect. There are challenges that arise as as with any job i think it makes those a little bit easier to handle though and you see probably more of the good than the bad because when you're when you're in a position where you're doing something that you enjoy doing you're going to see more of the the positive more of the enjoy, enjoyment more of the good times more of the joy but when you're doing a job that you don't like you're going to basically just have your whole perspective on the bad of it and you're going to mostly be focusing on that and that's what you're kind of going to be looking for is the bad and the negative and that's just going to continue to eat away at you and so I think being able I mean it is important because we're all we're all going to be in situations where we're not doing exactly what we want to do and even I mean there are times like there's specific parts of this job that I'm not huge about doing that I don't exactly love to do but for the for the most part of it it's you know I certainly I certainly can't complain much I I will say, um, but but I will just preface it by saying that even even the job that I'm doing which I would say is just about the ideal job that I could be doing is not without its challenges and so I would just say that kind of and really I think it's it's a mindset that yeah it probably does help I, I'd be lying if I said that it doesn't that I'm doing the job that I love but I think it's almost more important to just have that mindset of looking for the good. 
in in every situation and trying to find find where you know god is at work in every situation whether it's a job that you love or a job that you hate just being like god what what is your purpose with this you know if it's something that you enjoy being like you know god what can i how can i continue to to gain from this or if it's something that you really don't like doing being like god how is this how is this you know just <clears throat> growing me into the person that you want me to be exactly it does not mean you're going to be without challenge but it makes i just think it makes your the mundane work yep much much more tolerable because it's like this is my wheelhouse this is what i know you know, this is what I care about. And uh, I don't know. There's a quote in Think and Grow Rich. I can't remember it exactly, but it's something along the lines of there's no greater. Um, there's no more. There, there's no greater task in a man's life. And this is obviously outside of faith, but like mm-hmm. t- other than to find his unique calling. Um, the same principle and to applies fi- to faith, though. Yeah, it does. But obviously your face, number one, but like outside yeah. of that, you know, there's no greater task than to figure out what you enjoy to do for work because the author of that book was in that position himself. If you read, I read a book called the law of success by Napoleon Hill. It was literally a massive, like dude, the like 600 page book. Yeah. Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. But his story was, he was miserable in his work. He hated what he was doing for work. And I recently uh, listened to a video from Jordan Peterson about um, like being in the position of hating what you do for work. And Peterson was saying like, sometimes it's literally the choice between famine or tyranny. If you go to your job and it's, it's tyrannical, you have bad bosses that don't honor good work. And I've, I've personally been there. That's literally the case in my old job. My bosses, my bosses did not recognize good work and they punished good work. So that's tyranny, you know, and if you have the choice between tyranny and famine, sometimes famine is better because of how soul sucking the tyranny is, but you have to be wise in that. Obviously you can't quit a job if you're providing for your family and that's all you guys have. But, but what I'm saying is like that sometimes is the, the choice and Napoleon Hill was in that same position and that's when, you know, everybody called him crazy, but his life work, what he felt like was to write a book about success and how, and the, the principles of success. And now we see how successful he was one of the best selling books of all time, but people doubted him and they thought he was crazy, but he was like, it's more important to me to do what I feel like I'm called to do than to please somebody else and to work a job I hate. So yeah, super important. That deserves its own episode, but I don't want to get too sidetracked. So I feel like we should uh, probably start talking about today's topic, which we have not even really briefed yet. So, Peter, do you want to brief <laughs> yeah. and maybe open us up for today's episode topic? Yeah. So what we're going to be talking about, it was a topic that probably at this point came up in church maybe a month ago at this point. That's the one thing that we've been doing, planning ahead. We have things that we probably jotted down a while ago, but we're getting to now. What this episode is going to be about is how things changed really radically but also kind of the same I don't know if principles is the right word but the same idea kind of remained and that's how Christ's sacrifice the the death of Jesus on the cross changed changed the the way of salvation for for all for all time one sacrifice erased the need for 
I mean, millions and millions of sacrifices over and over and over again. One sacrifice, one death, one one life given up on the cross, one perfect life given up changed everything. And I think the one takeaway that I think before we even talk about this that I think is is something to really keep in mind is just the unbelievable power of Jesus' death and his sacrifice and, and his life before and obviously his resurrection as well, but especially the sacrifice that he made and how that provides salvation. And so we'll kind of dive into what's considered the old way, what things used to look like, and then we'll also look into the power and just renewing blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I think it's important to tie in the, the you know, uh, the old covenant with the new covenant, because, um, you know, actually I was recently talking about this with, uh, with my dad, he did a lot of work with, um, you know, we kind of grew up in the Bexley area in Ohio. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a really heavy Jewish community. And he worked a lot with, uh, like Orthodox Jewish rabbis, specifically one rabbi Goldberg, William Goldberg, really good guy but he would witness to the, to the that population and part of the the way to do that was to cite kind of the old covenant the the old testament way you have to know the jewish roots of the faith in order to to sex, successfully um profess christ and and do it in a, an effective way to that population so i kind of grew up around that and i think it's important to know both sides of the faith so that you have a full picture because people like to just throw out the old covenant as like, uh, you know, it's not relevant, but I think you have to know both sides of it well to fully appreciate Jesus's sacrifice and the right. entirety of that. So, um, I think, yeah, before, do you want to read? Yeah, I'll read that. I want to, I want to preface one question that then I'll, and it's here on the outline is before we go, get into this and maybe if we have, I'm sure we'll probably have maybe a little bit of a better answer, but I, I want to get your thoughts, Joe, on this first question that I have, which is why was it necessary to have so much structure and kind of a bit of a follow-up was, what do you think God's purpose was for the stringent regulations that we'll get into here and ha- having an earthly sanctuary? Why do, you, why do you think that existed? Well, I think that, well, I think there's a lot of answers you could say here, but my speculation is... You know, I I think part of it was to make the new covenant that much more like clear and appreciated because without the structure and also you have have to think of it in the form of, you know, human humanity was so fallen that like we needed a bunch of laws. We needed a bunch of pointers as to like, this is how you're supposed to live. And yes, it wasn't efficient but I think that it was a part of the full picture of Christ because without that stringent nature of law, um, I don't think that people would appreciate kind of the freedom and the simplicity of the new covenant. So I think it was kind of just a part of God's story of painting, painting the full picture of salvation uh, without that first part of it, without the, you know, the law that nobody could measure up to. Cause honestly, nobody could ever right. measure up to that law. I mean, that was the part of the hypocrisy with the Pharisees is that they would always point to all these laws, but it's like, how can you point to these laws when I could literally cite you two laws that you're breaking right now in the process? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, my speculation is that it was just a part of the full, the full picture of salvation, but I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. 
No, I, I would I would certainly agree with that. I think it's again that that idea of redemption, like we needed some we needed to be redeemed and this was this was God's way as part of his his plan and some people would question like why why didn't he just send Jesus, you know, within the first, you know, hundred years or something after Adam and Eve had sinned. But first of all, his his ways are, are often are, are always higher than our own ways. And I think just this story of how the nation of Israel just turned so far away from God and then sometimes they'd be brought back. I think of the time of the judges. I think like you said, having these regulations was something that could bring them close to God. And again, because we're fallen as human beings and there was no intercessor, there was no, there was no, you know, Holy spirit and and no Jesus intercessing on our behalf um, before the death, before Jesus's death. And so this was the way that God had designed for, for us. And so, unless you have anything to add, I'll start reading in Hebrews nine and kind of look diving into what those, what those regulations were. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add, so yeah, if you want to go ahead and read. Yep, so again, Hebrews 9, starting in verse 1. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lamp stand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of, of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot these, discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. So from that, I, I have one takeaway kind of from those last couple of verses, but what, what do you kind of gain from, from reading that? I mean, it's just, it's just an overview of, of kind of the, the structure of, you know, God's presence before we had direct connection through the Holy spirit and, and Christ, you know, so I, I just think it symbolizes the um, uh, reverence in which you would have to treat the presence of God and also just the physical representation of the presence of God, which does not exist anymore on earth. But, you know, now that's kind of, that's more of a spiritual um, place within each of us, with the Holy Spirit. But, yeah, just kind of an overview. Yeah. For me, I think it showcases, especially in those last couple of verses, the temporary nature of this old way and how it redeemed you for a time, but really it only redeemed you, I would say, until the next time you committed a sin, which obviously, and I know there were different types of offerings that were designed and regulated to cover over maybe a specific time period or a certain type of sin specifically, like a guilt offering, something like that. Um, but but again, just like the temporary nature of it, and then we'll we'll see here, 
again, like the, the repetition of this sacrifice of the old way of needing to go again and again and again. And in a sense, that's repeated with prayer and worship, but we don't need to go like once we accept the gospel, the good news, once we accept Jesus into our lives and become saved, we don't have to do that again. Whereas with these yeah. sacrifices, it's a rep- repetitive thing. And, and like food and drink where you need to consistently replenish. And when you lose some, you got to get, you know, you got to re restore this nature of the old way was, was temporary and it didn't last. And so that's, I think another reason why we needed the blood of Christ. Yeah. And it was kind of like an unsure, I can see how that could translate easily to not being sure about your salvation, you know, always, always having to, you know, go in and, and what every week, you know, somebody would go and, uh, blood atonement. I mean, I, I think you had people cycling through all the time, um, priests, but yeah, I, I just think it shows like you're saying the temporary kind of nature of that. Whereas now we're, we have assurance of our salvation, you know, once you're, once you're saved, um, that's a whole other topic as well as are you saved forever? Once you become saved, can you lose your salvation or does that indicate that you just were never saved in the first place? That's a whole nother topic. But, um, my position is once you're saved that you're always, always saved. And if you're quote unquote, lose your salvation, you probably were never saved to begin with. That is word for word. Exactly what I have believed for for a while now. Yeah. And I'm sure I've I've said that. We probably have some thing before. We'll probably have some people who disagree with us theologically on that for some some way or reason, but I mean that's that's my perspective. So I agree. It's, that's it's how just I interpret scripture. Like, when you when you're truly saved, it transforms who you are as a person, and it doesn't mean that we don't sin, but it means that when we do, we have a spirit of repentance and going to God and being like, "Lord, forgive me," and by Your power, you know, go and sin right. no more. Basically, right. Yeah, and if and you don't, don't do know, that, just, then you probably have not. I would say, I would not even probably. I would say you have not truly been transformed. By yeah, the it, it just doesn't make sense to me how you could argue somebody who, you know, they get saved and then three years later they they lose it. They're not saved anymore. It just tells me from the beginning that they just, you know, they weren't really mm-hmm. fully committed. Yeah. Because if you understand the commitment of salvation and faith it's not something you ever could lose. It's just, you know, once you receive that gift, it's what's the scripture about? Nothing can, can snatch you out of my hand, yep. out of his hand. Yep. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I would agree with you on the temporary nature, but, uh, yeah, I'm ready to read, uh, the next section here. Yeah. We can probably split it up. Yeah. If you want to, um, I mean, I know I had a question after these first couple of verses, but I don't know if you maybe wanted to read, through verse 15 yeah yeah i got it uh it's called redemption through the blood of christ but when christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands that is none of this creation he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh 
how much more will the blood of Christ through who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Um, I'll just stop there. We can go through the first question. Um, did you want to ask that or did you want to take it? Well, if you wanted to give your per- perspective on it, and then I, I can certainly give mine. The, the question posed here, and I'd encourage all of you to consider the same thing, is why was it necessary? And we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but why was it necessary for Christ to obtain eternal redemption? And then a second consideration, maybe after we answer that, is what does that redemption truly mean? I mean, unless I'm missing another object of the question, which you could clarify, I think it kind of answers itself based on what I was just talking about, about what we were both talking about with the temporary nature of the covering of the the sin with the blood of of goats that it was referring to here. Um, The eternal redemption is once and for all, it's done. There's no need to continually renew God's grace over you and forgiveness it's it's done it's finished as jesus said on the cross it is finished Mm -hmm. so what that means is that we we permanently and forever have a connection to god through christ and forgiveness we don't have to go and you know every week do a physical ritual to earn that back it doesn't mean we'd ever have to ask for forgiveness of sin but it means that that physical act no longer is necessary yeah I would agree with that, certainly. And I think a good picture of it comes in maybe verse 13, and I'll, I'll kind of use an analogy with this after reading it. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? I think a picture of this is like, you know, thinking about, it's kind of ironic because we're talking about blood, but if you think of like a stain, especially a stain that's blood, you know, you can't really get it out by just typical soap. Or maybe maybe if you do, maybe you kind of get it to a point where it's a little bit faded or something like that, but it's still there. It's still underneath the surface and you know it's still there. But when mm-hmm. Jesus comes in, he completely cleans that away. You know, he's like, it's kind of a weird word to use when describing the Savior, but he's almost like the perfect bleach to clean out the stains that we have. <laughs> That's an interesting way. I know. I, I couldn't think it's of really true, a better. Though. It is. It's it's the best picture that I can think of. And it's, you know, to a, to a whole another level than what we can describe. You know, I'm just a, a human using human words. So I'm sure God would definitely provide a better picture of that. But I think, I think it, it, it does here, you know, he offered himself unblemished and he cleanses our consciences from acts that lead to death. So he basically, that's kind of another point on the salvation th- thing that we were talking about. And it's kind of proven here. He cleanses our conscience from acts that lead to death. So sins that lead, cause ultimately really all sin leads to death because all who sin and fall, fall short of the glory of God and because of that, we're all worthy of death. So God comes in by the sacrifice of Christ and cleanses us of the, con- the you know, evil consciences that drive us towards sins. And then another, I guess, benefit of that or a, another st- the next step in the process then is so that we may serve the living God. So by being cleansed, it then gives us the opportunity to serve. And that means both glorifying the Lord. It means 
helping other people that that he puts in in our lives and, and in front of us to to help and i think it just 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 in this start really shows the power of that eternal redemption and i think that's again by the same point kind of what it truly means which is cleansing our consciences and our souls and redeeming us from the way of life that we had previously yeah eternally once yep. and for all right it's not something you have to renew i mean i mean we have to renew our minds daily yeah right what is that is that from ephesians I don't, uh, I don't, by the renewing I don't of our minds transforming of our thoughts what is that it might be Romans. Yeah, some I know it's somewhere something along the lines, and maybe I'll look it up while you maybe Christ offer Jesus. some more thoughts. But uh, like cleansed yeah. by the renewing of your minds, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, <clears throat> Romans twelve twelve. Yeah, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. I mean, yeah. So we have a duty daily to renew our minds. Um, but we don't have to renew our salvation. No. You know, we don't have to go be, we don't have to go and recommit to God. I mean, that's kind of a symbolic thing, I think, for some people. But as far as like actually believing that you're renewing your salvation, that's, it's not biblical. It's not scriptural. So, um, yeah, once and for all, it's the beauty of, uh, of Christ's sacrifice. But, did you want to take uh, after that verse uh, 15 or did you want me to go ahead and take that next section? Um, I'll, I'll read verse 15 and then maybe if, if you have any quick thoughts to add and then we can dive into 16 through 22 and I can read that too. This, okay. this kind of answers maybe a little bit the question that was, that was posed previously. Um, this is verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So there's a point in there that um, people who believe the predestination mindset would would definitely point to that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. We won't touch on that in this episode. I think we might we might want to do Joe at some point a kind of a refresher episode on that because it's been a while since we talked about that and that wasn't even like quite the main theme that was back when we were doing the pb and j show um, <laughs> throwback shout throwback out to PB that show. yes sir we did that we actually recorded that i remember in like the youth room of mount zion church in xenia so shout out shout out mount zion church shout out that i think it was renew was the name of the youth ministry there but anyways another point for another time free will versus predestination i think it's kind of a balance of both but Again, just the point being here that he died as a ransom to set to set them being all all of us from the sins committed under the first covenant. So his again, kind of hammering home that point that Jesus's sacrifice is something that sets us free from sins committed under the first covenant. So it's it, it covers over both the sins even that were temporarily covered by sacrifices and then of course also covers over sins to come after that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is complete covering. It's something that I don't know. I don't think a lot of people understand that concept of like it legitimate. Like it's kind of along the lines of understanding God's grace, you know, because that's that's always a tough concept to grasp of like not having to win God's grace or earn it. Yeah. Um, 
it's the same thing as forgiveness because seeing forgiveness in our lives is like, it's just hard to, it's hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive just one instance. So, um, truly grasping what that means from Christ's sacrifice is like, can you imagine, I don't know, maybe this is kind of a weird question, but can you imagine being in his position of forgiveness, even when we don't deserve it? Like all the sin that's forgiven that you were citing, like, can you really grasp the weight of that? Because I don't know. That's pretty crazy. Not truly. I yeah. mean, the only, the only way that I can really explain it is that he has perfect, unconditional love for us. And so he didn't see it as being like, well, I don't know. Cause in the same sense, like he, he knows that we are, like you said, deserving of death, but because of the compassion and the unconditional love that he has for us, you know, God was willing to send Jesus and Jesus was willing to die for our sins in spite of that. And so it's, it's a love that we truly, you know, as, as much as we love those around us, it's a love that we can never truly display. It's a standard that we can't live up to. It's one that we can strive for. And of course, understand that we can't reach that, but something still that we aim for that type of love. And it's, it is, it's a sacrificial love. It, in some extreme cases, it does mean, you know, literally laying down our life for, for somebody that we love. A lot of times it just means making sacrifices and maybe giving up time, giving up, you know, whatever the case might be to, to show that love for, for others like Jesus did for us. Again, not to that standard, not to compare it, but it's an example for us to, to aim at. Yeah. But even viewing it through that perspective, people who are like critical of God and like being so harsh and judgmental and how could a loving God do this and that, it's like once you view sin through that perspective, like the fact that God ever chose to send Jesus in the first place is really a miracle. Like, cause it, when you consider the gravity and the weight of all the sin in the world, it's like, right. I don't know that like he didn't have to do that, you know? And he literally came down here and got beat and beaten and took the sin on of the world and was tortured and died. And, you know, did all that when they really didn't have to, you know, we're the human race is, is pretty evil and sinful. So I think it's important to have that perspective. Very, very much. But so. where did you, what verse did you leave off on? Uh, I could pick up unless you wanted to in verse 16. Sure. Okay. So in the case, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died it never takes effect while the one who made it is is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll on all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, I'll, I'll pick up and continue here because I think it ties together. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. 
nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are Hmm. destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are wa- who are waiting for him. Dang, verse twenty seven is kind of kind of grave, <laughs> yeah, sobering truth. It is a point. I'm reading ESV. It says, "As it is appointed for man to die once." <laughs> man, it's easy to uh, forget sometimes that we're all we all have an appointment with death. Yeah, all of us. You not, know, it's you know, it's the more morbid sense is it's not YOLO, it's YODO. <laughs> Yodo. Yodo. <laughs> yeah, anytime somebody tries to get you to sin but you don't say Yodo. Yodo. <laughs> you only die once. Yep. But yeah, I mean that's a sobering reality. I think considering the considering from time to time the reality of of death and that we all have an appointment with death is important because it, it allows you to appreciate um uh, your faith. And I, I think it, it puts a healthy fear of God inside of you, you know, death. I think in the 21st century, we don't really consider death as much as, as our ancestors because we're so protected and we live in a, a luxurious environment, you know, where our, our greatest concern is, uh, getting to work on time with the traffic instead of how we're going to eat yeah. and going out and hunting, uh, you know, hunting to get our food and, you know, just struggling for survival. I think we have it made pretty well over here. So yeah, well, and it's obviously I don't think just really, further further along in terms of years as well. Yeah, I don't think we really consider More death willing. as much. So yeah, I don't think we. Some people, a lot of people, probably don't appreciate their faith as much, hmm. um, because they don't face death. They don't see it. You know, we don't see brutal deaths here in America that much, unless we're you know watching the news. You'll see stuff sometimes, but we don't see harsh harshness of life that a lot of our ancestors did. Yeah. So I think it's important to consider death sometimes. And, and right here it is, which also outlines the importance of, uh, of his sacrifice. Definitely. And, and but, maybe, maybe this kind of, that kind of answers this next question that I have in a sense is having that perspective. But if you have maybe a different answer, Joe, how do you think the forgiveness of sins gives us salvation without being an excuse to continue living in sin. And I'm, if that doesn't make sense, basically, you know, if we have salvation, why is it important? Why do we need to, you know, not live in sin? Because if we have salvation, we we are not permitted to live in sin. And if we live in sin, we make God a liar, First John. Uh, if we live in sin, we make him a liar. We, we don't have him in us. So if you're, if you're a believer... If you're saved, you will not live in sin, period. And if you do, you make God a liar. You're you're a child of of Satan. That's what God's word says. So um, now there's also there, there's a little bit of gray area there because sometimes, you know, <clears throat> Paul. What did Paul write about knowing you know knowing the truth and and still being frustrated with himself of sin yeah. sometimes? So I think that there's a fine line um, when it comes to sin as far as okay. You can fall into sin occasionally. You can have struggle with sin, but it shouldn't be conscious choice. It shouldn't be a habitual choice. 
And if so, it should be addressed promptly. And uh, you should be able to cut that sin out of your life and become sanctified. You know, we should be walking and finding that as time goes on, we become closer to God. We become stronger. We continue to cut sin out of our lives um, to the point where we should not be walking in sin. So there is balance there. We, and there's room for mistake. We're obviously we're human beings, but we should not be choosing to sin. Yep. Period. And if we are, we should have people in our lives who, uh, who see that and who we can confide in, who, who can, you know, offer a, um, respectful, but also strong rebuke of that behavior. Amen. And I think to, to kind of add to that and answer the second question that I had, how do we find balance, which I think you touched on, you know, referencing what Paul talked about is I think it's, it's finding consistency in the response whenever we do sin. Because I, again, I believe if you're sinning consistently and willingly and without remorse, that's a problem. And that means that at the very least, you need to recenter with the Lord and really maybe even consider if you ever were, if you have been saved. Mm-hmm. But I think, because again, okay, just to hone that in, consistency of sin is not something that we should be okay with, you know, but, but what should be consistent every time Every time we sin, no matter how quote-unquote big or small, in God's eyes, all sins are the same. I mean, there's the, the seven deadly sins, but those kind of just cover over all, all the different types of sins, I would say, in a sense. It's finding consistency in our response to sin. If we're consistently being like, oh, it's okay, you know, I'm, I'm forgiven for it, I'll, God will help me to get past it, I'll, I'll just hand it over fully to him and I'm not going to do anything on my end to get better to repent from this that's a problem what we need to do instead is we need to find consistency in being like yeah God I fell short I can't get back I can't get to you on my own but thank you Lord for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross because of that I can be brought back to you and I always am brought back to you even after I sin And so I think the key here, and again, you kind of touched on it a little bit too, but just to kind of add to this, is having that consistency of every time that you sin, coming to God with a repentant heart, feeling that conviction, that, you know, that poking at your heart, being like, yeah, I know I messed up, and being like, God forgives that, and I need to do my part and pursue him again. Because, yeah, of course God pursues us, but he also makes it so that we need to pursue him as well. And so if we're not doing that, yep. we're not going to find true repentance. And while forgiveness is offered to us, I would say we don't truly receive it unless we make that step on our end. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a weird kind of balance with um, having grace with sin, but also... You know, I, I think it's it is important to be a little bit strong with it and and realize you know the gravity of that. Like, it really even takes a mental toll as a believer if you're you know if you're battling sin as a believer, it's kind of like a a mental battle. Like, why am I doing this? Because I'm I'm professing faith, but I'm am I really living it out? You know, so I think it's it's important. Um, to address sin early on, uh, to shed light on it, you know, sin thrives in the dark 
And I think the more that you talk about it and the more that you have community to pray for you through that sin, pretty quickly you're able to turn it around. But the thing is you got to get light on it. You got to talk about it. So, um, it's so important to find community and to find people you can confide in and, and just rely on to overcome whatever sin you're, you're battling, um, as a believer, but, uh, we are getting close on time, Peter. So did you want to, uh, touch on the, the Hebrews 10 there, or did you want to kind of wrap it up with, uh, I see you noted kind of the one time for all, which is somewhat of what Hebrews 10 touches on. Yeah. I think, I think we can probably read through this fairly, fairly quickly. I'm not going to speed through it. You know, I want to make sure the the listeners can can understand what I'm saying, but <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wrap Speed it run. in Eminem style. The law is only a shadow <laughs> of the good things that are coming. Not only the disguise himself for this reason, it can never by the same sacrifice. Holy so I'm not gonna cow! Do it like wow. that. <laughs> Dang, that's fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody caught that. All right, I that's, hope so. that's it for the episode. <laughs> yep, that's it. Signing <laughs> off. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I I'll, I'll read through that. And then kind of closing thoughts from both of us, anything maybe specifically on that, because I think this wraps it up pretty well. I mean, the, the title for this section, Hebrews 10, is Christ's sacrifice once for all. Yep. So here we go. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He, Jesus, sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I'm going to emphasize that by reading it again. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hmm. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So when it says, when this priest had offered for one time sacrifice for sins, he being Jesus, sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Hmm. Yeah, there's that complete redemption and forgiveness there. Yep. That I was kind of touching on. But yeah, what a picture of, of the sacrifice, you know? What a picture of it. And I think uh, 
this is something that we kind of touched on around Easter time, I think. Uh, yeah. Just like how you can sweep over and f- often forget like the true, I don't know, like Impact, reverence and like power. the true weight yeah. of what actually happened on this earth. Like God came down in human form and lived a human life, a perfect life, blameless and got got murdered. <laughs> I mean, got killed um, for you and I. Yep. And uh, it's just incredible. It, it really is incredible. It's so a blessing that I think, we can't can't really explain, you know, how yeah. incredible it is. Yeah, and I think this is this is just something that we all need to ponder continually. And a perfect way to wrap up the episode, I think that that kind of paints the picture of exactly what we were wanting to talk about, which is the symbolic nature, the symbolic power of Jesus's sacrifice and what it means for our sin and kind of the mindset we should have too, because, you know, some people think they have to earn their salvation. No, you don't have to earn it. It's given to you, but it's, you know, it's, it's by grace through faith, not by works. So, uh, yeah, perfect picture there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it wraps it up beautifully. And I think it's just a reminder that it shows the power of it again, too, that sacrifice is being repeated over and over year after year. And, Jesus one sacrifice with all all the pain and, and torment behind it because Jesus felt everything because he was fully God and fully man he he experienced all the pain more pain than we can ever imagine to cleanse us and to bring us closer to him and so again like you were saying just that the power of that it's unbelievable it's it's indescribable it's something that we can't it's you know unquanti- unquantifiable in our, in our minds. And it's, it's such a blessing and it just, it just makes me, you know, want to extend that, that feeling yeah. that we get from knowing that. And so I would encourage anybody listening, if you have not accepted Jesus into your life, I would encourage you to, to ask somebody about it. You know, Joe and I are both, you know, reachable on, on social media. If you, if you know us in person, you might, you might have our numbers as well. However you want to reach out to us, we're here to, to talk about, what it means truly to accept accept Jesus in your life. And I would encourage those who are listening and maybe feel ready to make that decision now. It really is a simple, you know, we always, we call it the ABCs in faith because um, it really is, it really is that simple. It's accepting that, that we all, all have fallen short, fallen short of, of the standard and accepting that, you know, a price needed to be paid because of those sinful acts. And then it's B, believing the truth of the gospel, that Jesus was that sacrifice that came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. And then on the third day, he was raised again to new life, bringing us life and hope for for a life to come. And then finally, it's confessing. It's it's just shouting out basically that, that we are sinners and that we need Jesus. And then it's confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if, if you did those three things, I mean, it's as simple as, you know, asking the Lord, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I fall short of your holy standard. Because of that, I know that Jesus had to come to this earth. I know that he had to die on the cross. I know that then on the third day, he was raised again to new life. And I thank you for that, Lord. And then finally, Lord, uh, you know, if you're praying this prayer, Lord, I, I confess, I just shout out that you are Lord, 
that that you that you are just the savior of my life that you came to this world to to bring us to you and all all for mm. for your glory and so if you prayed that prayer it wasn't it wasn't perfect but it, it doesn't have to be it's really just the the motive and the belief behind it is what's truly important so if you prayed that i would encourage you to to reach out to somebody if you're already a believer again it's not the perfect blueprint i'm a little little rusty on that i would i would say a little bit but it's 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 about the heart posture share. exactly it's something that if you are a believer i would encourage you to to share with others and i think that's a really good way to to kind of wrap this up is by sharing that message yeah and it, it's not you know you don't have to you don't have to say a quoted you know right. exact quote i think you know that was it was a good outline i think you're you know that's a good thing to have in mind but just don't feel any pressure to, to say things a certain way. Just express your desire to follow Christ and, um, you know, yeah, but that's, that's a great outline to follow Peter. It's, it's a little rusty, but you know what? It's the, I think you got the gist of it. So yeah, I think I might've mixed up a couple of the points a little bit, <laughs> but I know it's accept it's accept, believe and confess. So yeah, that's, that's the main thing. No, oh, you got the important part of it, which is confessing faith in Christ. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, I, I think it's a good place to wrap up. So uh, you mind if I uh, lead us in prayer? Yeah. And if I have anything to add, I'll pick up. Cool. Dear Lord, I, I just pray that um, this message will be heard tonight, this podcast. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the ability to speak freely about your truth um, and to spread it here um, with True North Talk. I pray that anybody hearing this message tonight would have their eyes opened. I pray that you would work within our hearts whether you're saved or unsaved, I pray that this, uh, the truth of your word would just sink into to people's hearts tonight and uh, we just grasp the eternal nature of your sacrifice. We thank you for that. We don't have to just renew our, our forgiveness. We don't have to renew our, uh, our, our redemption through you, that we are saved, Lord, one time and that nothing can snatch you, snatch us out of your hand. And we just pray for grace. We pray for patience and and understanding and, and desire for you. I pray that it just grow every single day. And we thank you for um, this podcast. I pray that you continue to lead us together to grow True North Talk and to reach other people to spread the truth. Um, I'm just grateful for this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, just quickly echo everything that Joe said and thank you again for for the power of your sacrifice that we no longer have to offer up sacrifices. All we have to do is accept accept your your you know the sacrifice of Jesus and accept him into our lives and so I thank you for that Lord and for the power of that in Jesus name amen amen well you made it this far in the episode we appreciate you tuning in to episode three of season two um, make sure you like and rate the podcast it's always something small you can do to help us out and spread the message on Apple and Spotify and subscribe here if you're new um, with that being said, we will catch all of you in episode four next week. This is Joseph signing out. This is Peter signing out. Peace. Peace.